reinvention means to build a life, live that life, and maintain a life that's in alignment with your values, passion, and purpose. And that's why I use the word reinvention, because it's not about a one-time effort. We grow, we change, we develop. And along the way, if you can find parts of your life that you can get into sync, into alignment with what matters to you the most, then you can enjoy a life of ups and downs where you can enjoy the ups, but also appreciate the downs. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Roger Osorio, a lifelong problem solver who has found his true passion for helping others by never ending his journey of learning. He has proven to himself we can find learning all around us, but we have to commit to the journey and be ever curious. We'll hear about how Roger left his dream job only to find his new option wasn't quite what he thought and the steps he took to find his true path. We'll follow Roger's story of how he found his own reinvention, traveled the world, and ultimately came to writing his first book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors on six continents and is the publishing arm of Manuscripts, Inc. This enterprise earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list last year. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode one of season five, and today I have with me Roger Osorio. Roger is a husband, reinvention coach, speaker, and author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life of Alignment with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose, which comes out this September 2022. He has a brand new baby girl on the way who should arrive just after the book. He's the founder of the School of Reinvention, where he helps people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to go get it. Roger got onto his own journey to reinvention in 2005 and has enjoyed a life of ups and downs, always in alignment with who he really is and what matters to him. In other words, living his best life. Roger also teaches entrepreneurship at the University of Pennsylvania and at Sarah Lawrence College. Early on in his journey, he was a middle and high school math teacher. Quite a background. Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. And congrats on the milestone, like 1,600 authors. It's awesome to be part of this community, but obviously many, many authors came before me and my cohort. So really awesome job there. Thank you so much. And to to have authors from six continents is kind of mind-blowing. So I forgot to make the ask, which is, if anyone out there has a friend in Antarctica, please let us know, uh, because that's the only continent that's still missing from publishing with the program. But really great <laughs> stuff. Well, Roger, before we jump into your story, you know, let's share with, a little, uh, with the listeners a little bit about your reinvention journey, right? You're a math teacher, reinvention coach, teach entrepreneurship. Where did this all begin? Gosh, so it, I would say like the... It began in 2008. I, I had a, a job that was once upon a time, a dream job, but I started to realize it wasn't feeling so dreamy anymore. And essentially the job didn't change. You know, the job was actually still great. It was a lot of fun. My client was Anheuser-Busch. We sold them a beer cooler that actually brought the temperature of beer down below its freezing point. So we're talking like really cold beer. And I got to go to all of their events with them. And of course, if Anheuser-Busch goes to an event, like there's always a big party. And as part of like, you know, their entourage, if you will, I got an all access pass to any of the parties going on at 
you know, whatever event that was. And so it was just like a dream job for somebody who was a 25 year old guy who's single. And I, I just had an absolute blast doing it. But around 2007, late 2007, I started working a part-time job at a learning center, teaching mostly to high school students. And through that process, I kind of just started falling in love with that work, the work that I was doing there. I fell in love with helping young people just conquer a subject that a lot of them really just thought like, hey, look, I'm not wired for it. I'm not born for this. And this for me was like a challenge that was worth sinking my teeth into. And I just started falling in love with that. And the work was so rewarding. And so what started happening, my values, my passion, my purpose started to shift, started to evolve. And then that really meant that my dream job, which was aligned at one point, was no longer as aligned with what just mattered to me anymore. And so I made this bold decision to put a plan together and quit my job. The plan fell apart, by the way, like most plans <laughs> end up doing. And it fell apart actually like right away. We're talking like within weeks of executing the plan that is resigning and quitting, the plan fell apart, but that's okay. You know, in the end, it didn't matter because looking back now, I'm just glad that I started the journey to reinvention, that I started working on my next reinvention and building that life that was aligned with what mattered to me at that time. And I just started getting onto back onto that path, which included going back to schools. I got a, I got a master's in psychology. I was focused on executive coaching. I also got a part-time MBA during that time. And I started a tutoring business. I figured, well, I love teaching math so much. So why not start my own tutoring business? And I started applying coaching strategies to teaching math. And I started to find there was a lot of success in this. And it was just really exciting and rewarding to see how like, wow, I'm taking even my own game up to another level, working with these students and helping them out. Well, a couple of years after I graduated my master's, I was able to take that success as a math coach and a math tutor and parlay that into a full-time role teaching high school math at an inner city school. And then that was followed by two years of teaching middle school math at an all-girls school in Manhattan. So the journey just kept on going. And like with most things, like as momentum builds, you start to find other exciting things going on. You evolve, you grow a little bit. I got involved with an organization called Startup Weekend. Essentially, it's a three-day entrepreneurship bootcamp. And we take people from, we help them learn how to take an idea from concept to creation through that process. Well, I became a global facilitator for them and started traveling all around the world, facilitating those events on weekends. And I really fell in love with that whole process. And then again, momentum continued to just guide me, you know, further down the path, I was able to get an offer from IBM to help teach IBMers entrepreneurship and how to be more innovative in the way they do their work and think. I was also able to, I got recruited from the University of Pennsylvania and Sarah Lawrence College, as you mentioned earlier, to teach entrepreneurship. So the journey's been incredible. I could not have predicted any of what I just mentioned at like early in 2008. But as you go along, you know, momentum builds on more momentum and it takes you down this really awesome path. Momentum builds on more momentum. I love that. I like to say it a slightly different way, which is activity breeds more activity, right? You try this, yeah. you try that. And as one brilliant woman once said to me, when I was trying to figure out what to do next after I left Wall Street, she said, you know, go immerse, your, go immerse yourself in something that you're interested in and your value proposition will manifest itself. And it sounds like that was very much your experience. I, oh, I right? love that. that. That right there, that is it. Exactly. It, you immerse yourself in those things and you will start to figure out what matters. Right. And, and not only you recognize what matters, but others do. And right, you started getting recruited. To, here you were leaving this big corporate job at Budweiser, right? And probably for some thinking there. There's the end of the run for me, right? I don't have this big job anymore. And yet you immersed yourself and people started finding you because your value is just so, I think, probably easy to identify. I've got to get to know you a bit along the way here. So 
How did all this turn into you getting a book off the ground? Gosh, so, well, you know, I've actually had the idea of writing a book ever since, or the goal, I should say, maybe the the goal or the desire, I think goes back to about 2011, 2012-ish. Of course, I didn't really even know what that meant. I didn't even know what I was going to write about. Actually, I did have one idea. It would be something related to teaching math. That's what I thought. And now, by the way, having now written my first book, I might actually go back to that idea at some point now that I know how to write a book. But back then it started as just like an idea for maybe some sort of book on math education and how to help math educators or even students navigate math so that they can really see that there are so many opportunities here for learning this. And it is not as hard as everybody makes it sound, which is a whole nother story for another podcast and another book. But it wasn't really until 2020 when this book's like inspiration really hit me. I so in 2020, I think it was what month, May, June, I got laid off from IBM. It was, you know, still the a really bad moment in the pandemic, no vaccine. We were still on global lockdown. And IBM launched one of their largest layoffs ever in the history of the company. The estimates went like something around 20,000 in North America alone. So it was pretty massive. And there we were, like we're we were all given notice on the same exact day. I think it was May 22nd or something like that, whatever that. Friday was, because apparently Friday is a good day to do that, (laughs) according to some sort of research, who knows. But they gave us 30 days um, to stay at the company to kind of wrap up our work and maybe even try to find like another job or whatever it was during that time. And so during those 30 days, I started thinking about like, what could I do? Like what, well, one, what do I need to do in my job to hand off my role and all of that? But the night after I got laid off or that same night, I got on the phone with one of my dear mentors. And I told her what happened and all of that. And when we were talking, you know, she, she issued a challenge to me. She said, you know, you have these skills in coaching. You've been out there on your own in the past. You've reinvented yourself many times. She goes, I'm worried about the IBMers who've been at IBM for most, if not their entire careers. These are folks who've been with the company 10, 20, 30, even 40 years. I met one person who got laid off with 42 years at the company. I mean, his time at IBM alone was longer than I was alive. I'm 41 and he beat me out there (laughs) with 42 years. And so she said, these folks are going to need help in terms of one, looking ahead so that they can write an exciting next chapter in their lives. And two, they need the strategies. They need to know like how they do that. And so you can teach them this and you can use your last few weeks here at the company to do that. And so I launched a reinvention mastermind for the remaining weeks that we were all going to be at the company and was able to recruit over 700 people to join this virtual mastermind because they were all scattered around North America. And we hosted calls three days a week until our final day. And as I was doing all of that work, I started to realize something that, wow, putting together the content for this, I started to go through my own, kind of go back through my own experience in reinventing myself, what worked, what didn't. I started extracting insights, noticing patterns and all of that. And putting all of that together, I started to realize that there are some interesting patterns here. There are some interesting insights emerging. And then getting real life feedback from the group really helped me out a lot because as I was getting that feedback, I was able to really understand what it was that I was surfacing through this kind of like, you know, going down, trip down memory lane. Well, you know, essentially what I did after that was I started recording audio content. Somebody gave me this idea to like, just turn on the mic, you know, just like the one above my head here and just start recording, you know, riff on topics related to reinvention. And so I started doing that. And I ended up capturing about 80,000 words in that summer of 2020, summer, fall or whatever it was. And I had all of these things and they were, you know, there were prompts. So I kind of had like, maybe this would be a chapter or a topic or I don't know, but at least I had all these files and I had them all on Word documents and everything. And I thought, okay, well, that's pretty massive. I've got 80,000 words. I don't even need that many for a book. So this should be a pretty like easy deal from here. 
Problem was I had no idea what to do with those words. I knew I wanted to be able to put this into a book where I can share it with others, but I didn't know how to take 80,000 like raw words and convert them into a book. And so there they were sitting there kind of just collecting dust, virtual dust, if you will. But almost a year later, it was in 2021, right around September, I saw a post from the Creator Institute about the manuscript writing component of this experience to becoming an author and how to write your first manuscript. And I enrolled. I said, this is it. This is exactly what I've needed. And so that brought me to, you know, NDP, New Degree Press. I got to know all of you guys and going through the process of taking an idea from concept to creation in a manuscript form was just an incredible process. And I learned so much about that and fell in love with the idea. I was like, all right, I got to go all the way here. It's time to publish the book. Uh, that's, the story leads me to believe you've been a reinvention master your entire life, my friend. So let me get this straight. You get laid off from IBM. You have 30 days to sort of figure out what to do next and sort of stay on the payroll, I guess is what I'm hearing. And they came to you and said, hey, would you mind running this mastermind to get people talking about what to do next? Did I get this right? Yeah, yeah, pretty did, much. Did they pay you extra money to do No, that? no, no. This was a mentor that gave me that like challenge. She ah. issued that challenge to me like, you need to do this. Like this, you have the skill set to do this. So because you have the, you know, the ability, you have the responsibility to do something like this. And, wow. and I loved that. I loved it. I mean, what, the moment she said that, I felt just like this incredible, like sense of purpose come over me. And, you know, when we've all hit, we've all, you know, had that kind of purpose in our lives in different areas, projects, things that we, you know, just pursued so passionately, you know, it when that just fills you and you're just like, wow, like, I just forgot that I got laid off. I just forgot that you know, a paycheck is going to stop coming in. I just forgot that it's the middle of the pandemic and the world is on lockdown and no one's probably hiring at this point and everyone's laying off. My attention completely went from all of that negative stuff to an opportunity to help as many of these folks as I can to launch their first reinvention possibly in their lives. Buddy, I literally just got chills as you told me that story. That's incredible. You, you, Kind of like you, it sounds like you got advice like uh, similar to the person that gave it to me. You know, you immersed yourself in something awesome. You went out and created something, and through that, found more. Your came closer to finding your passion and purpose, and I'm sure empowered dozens, if not hundreds, of people to go out and figure out what the heck to do next. That is an incredible story. How did you bring this for those who are saying, "Oh man, I wish I had a mentor in my life." How did that person come into your life? Gosh, so Jennifer Paler, because I know she'll listen to this episode, and I and I and I want to acknowledge her. Jennifer Paler, I met her when I got to IBM. I had been at the company for about four months, and I was feeling a little bit lost. Actually, it's a massive company, you know. Over at that time, I think it was almost four hundred thousand employees in the company, and I was just kind of not really finding my way. Um, I didn't have like a tribe, you know. I had my team, but my team was dispersed all around the country, so we never met in person. We only met on Zoom. But I learned about this coaching program that existed at IBM, where you can get like an internal coaching certificate at IBM. Now, I was already an executive coach, but I thought, hey, what a cool way to like just get immersed in this community of people who care about coaching and are interested in coaching. So I joined the cohort as if I was a student learning about coaching, but you know, made myself more available to help others out. I told everybody, you know, I'm, I, I'm an executive coach. I have a master's in this and all of that. And so the instructor from my cohort, actually for our group, she kind of said, Hey, then help me out, <laughs> you know, like help me out with leading this group. I said, yeah, whatever I can do. So, I mean, I did all the homework too, but I also got to help her out. And in the process, she was just like, wow, what you're doing, like how you help people, you're really passionate about this. This is really cool. Let me introduce you to the person who's like the head of all of this, Jennifer Paler. And so I connected with Jennifer around that and 
gosh, it was like love at first sight because we just clicked around coaching and she had all these incredible ideas for like coaching programs, things. She's like, I want to teach this. I want to do that. I want to build a program for teaching executives how to do this, all this kind of stuff. And I was the kind of guy who was like, cool, I'm down for experiments. So if you need somebody to test, like sign me up. And so I just, you know, hopped on any crazy experiment that she had. And over the course of those four or five years that I was at the company, you know, she and I just became really close because I was there to help her with anything. And she just provided me this amazing community of people who I could just feel like I was part of a family with within a company of 400,000 people. You know, I I love these themes we keep hearing, which are sort of started with this math thing, which to me is kind of problem solving, right? You've got all these problems in math you need to solve. And then, you know, not being afraid to try something new and, and go after it, no matter what it is and, and put yourself out there. Cause so many times in our lives, we don't take those risks, right? We sit in our job, we sort of stay comfortable and kind of think, oh, if I just don't do this, then I can keep my job another 10 years, <laughs> right? Something like this, as opposed to what if I try something new and you could create immense value as it, yeah. you have done all the way along. Super interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So when you get to the book, Roger, how did you fit this thing into your life, right? You've got a a wife, you're a busy guy. You know, how did you even fit the book into your life? Was it mornings, evenings? How did you do it? You know, I mean, like the very technical aspect of it, mornings. For me, mornings were a great time to write. It was quiet. It was just more peaceful. I learned through this process that I, I don't write in short little bursts. Like I thought I was going to be the person who could just slice it up by day, just 30 minutes here, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes here, and just do it that way. I I like to go all in and go really deep and bang out like 2000, 3000 words. I don't know how those two or 3000 words will be used. Obviously we learned in the program that they may or may not be used and that's okay, but it's part of developing your ideas. And so mornings were the best time to get like a solid two to three hour block where I could do that. But I think even more importantly than the time of day that I did it, because I know time of day is really relative. It depends on everyone's schedule, what your routines are, your family life, all of these things, you know, play a a role in deciding what the best time of the day is. And also your own kind of rhythms, you know, are you a morning person? Are you a night person? I mean, you know, there's no right or wrong here. Some people are middle of the night people, you know, whatever it is, it really just depends on like what works for you. But I think the most important thing I did was I made a very conscious decision to make this a massive and critical priority in my life and in my work. And that for me was like the big shift. You know, I, I, I built a massive why around writing this book and it was an exciting goal with a really powerful why I had so many reasons, you know, just a few being that I could help other people know that it's possible to build a life that's in alignment with your values, passion, and purpose. For me, just the possibility, if I could introduce someone to that possibility through the words in the book, then mission accomplished. And if I could take you a little bit further and help you feel, you know, emboldened to like take the journey and like, I'm going to hop on, I'm going to give this a shot even better. So that purpose like really powered me. And I think that once I had this clear and massive why, it felt less difficult to do this in terms of like making time to be an author, fitting this into my life it kind of became a big part of my life. This was going to be something really important to my life's work even is the way I saw it. I felt that this was also aligned with what I'm trying to teach. You know, I'm telling people like, you know, that this is, it's important to make our life great, that we can do things to make our life great. If this is something that's that important to me, then how dare I not make time for this, allocate significant amounts of time to this, if this is a part of, you know, what matters to me. 
So yeah, it was just part of living a life that was aligned with my values, passion, and purpose. And once I made it that way, you know, it really shifted things. But in 2022, when we got into the thick of the writing process and, you know, getting that manuscript ready to turn into, to you guys, to the publisher, and then to see if we got approved and all of those things. When I got into, when I was setting my 2022 goals in December, I was of 2021, I, I thought, okay, what are the goals that I'm going to have for the year? And over the years, I've actually learned to write less goals rather than having more. I just have less, but more powerful ones, ones that are really aligned with me. And I had three goals set for the year. And one of them was to publish a wildly successful book that helps people bring begin their own journey to reinvention. And so this was my number two goal of the year. My number one goal of the year was to build, to begin building our family. And well, the book drops in September, baby drops in November. So, you know, goals one and two, you know, totally achieved, but making it one of the three goals, I think was what the shift for me. So a lot of learning along the way of, of how you write, your style of writing, and what's what's interesting about the story, especially I think for people that are thinking about writing a book, is you know I wrote my book at night. That was just kind of when my sort of was most alive. My brain was most alive, and my kids were asleep. The house was quiet. This kind of thing. But I love this learning about yourself along the way about really understanding the power of knowing your values, passion, and purpose, which is so cool. So having said all this, like what is this? What is this book about? You know what what do you want listeners to know about the story? So, I mean, I think essentially this book is about learning how to build a life that's aligned with your values, passion, and purpose. And, you know, this other idea that's very related to this is becoming who you are. I think those are the two key ideas of this book. And if I had to sum it up, I would just leave it there and let that sit with people. But essentially, I wrote the book so that I could invite people onto this journey. Because to your point, sometimes we like we're, we stay in our jobs, right? And we we think, gosh, you know, everything's fine here. I'm making a good salary. This is my dream job. Whatever the objection is, or whatever the thought is that keeps us where we are, even though a part of us already knows that this, what we're doing now, this role, this part of our lives, whether it's our, in our relationships, our wealth, our health, whatever aspect it might be, we already we know that feeling when it's not aligned, when I'm like, ah, oh, something just doesn't feel right. I know I'm not thrilled. I know I'm not happy, or I know I'm not at my best. And I want to invite people onto that journey. And so, you know, I wrote it so that people felt like this was an invitation. It was their invitation to join me on the journey, to join others on the journey and to get onto that and start pursuing what matters most to them by reinventing parts of their life, you know, small parts and big parts. It really just depends on like what needs to be reinvented along the way in order to get into alignment with who they really are and who they want to become. What I mean, what a great passion you have for helping others to grow, to break out of the cycle that maybe they've been in or you know, it makes me think one of my favorite quotes from Ben Franklin, we live until we're 25 and are buried at 75, right? Up until we're 25, we're learning, we're growing, we're doing all these interesting things. And then we start punching a clock, dare I say. And you know, then 50 years later, off we go. And it sounds like you're very much set up a business to completely help people avoid that circumstance, which I love. So Roger, what does reinvention mean to you? And if I'm, it, to me, reinvention can sound scary. Do I have to become somebody totally different? What is this all about? So, you know, simply put, reinvention means to build a life, live that life and maintain a life that's in alignment with your values, passion and purpose. And that's why I use the word reinvention, because it's not about a one time effort. We grow, we change, we develop. And along the way, if you can find parts of your life that you can get into sync, into alignment with what matters to you the most, then you can enjoy a life of ups and downs where you can enjoy the ups 
but also appreciate the downs. One of the biggest things I learned on the journey was that, you know, that there will be downs in our life. There will be bad moments. There will be dark moments in our lives and they can be devastating. But when you live a life that's aligned with your values, passion, and purpose, which by the way, doesn't mean being super wealthy or anything like that. Some of my poorest years were some of my happiest years. And, you know, that was something I learned along the journey. But what I learned was that when the, when your life is in alignment, when you are doing things that really just set you on like this passionate kind of fire, then you can weather the tough moments. You have other parts of your life that can balance out the part that is struggling at the moment. I mean, along the journey, I've earned a couple of master's degrees and they've served me well. I've been in debt to the tune of $150,000. I've delivered over 600 talks to over 200,000 people from over 100 countries around the world. I've been married, divorced, married again. I've quit jobs. I've been fired. I've been laid off recruited away, hired, made offers that I couldn't refuse, and then laid off again. You know, I've been overweight. I've been in great shape. I've been in the middle. Now I'm currently in the middle trying to get back into better shape. You know, I've been lonely. I've been not lonely, but no matter what, what I've realized is that as, as long as I've been on the journey to reinvention, and as long as I stay aligned with what matters to me and who I really am, I can actually enjoy the ups and still appreciate the downs and really be able to like weather those tough moments. It doesn't make them any less tough. They're still tough getting divorced, being in debt, to, you know, like being in $150,000 of debt. All these moments are, are in these parts of our lives are still very difficult. But when you have other parts that are aligned, you draw power from that. You draw fuel from that. So, but you mentioned this other thing that I think is really important because there's this misconception many times that I run into that people think that when you reinvent yourself, you become someone else, you become someone different or whatever that means. And what I'll say is, you know, to answer that question very quickly, it has actually nothing to do with becoming someone else. And reinvention has everything to do with becoming like who you really are at the end of the day. What a powerful message. And Boy, that list of ups and downs you've experienced, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I have to think you're going to be in the top 10% for most people's list of radical change they've dealt with in their life there. Well done. And here you are surviving, not just surviving, but thriving, writing a book, building this business. 200,000 people have heard your story. I can't wait to hear how many hear your story once the book is out and that continues to escalate you. One of the big questions people think about when you consider reinvention, right? Oftentimes it means a job change, starting a business. Oh, wait a minute. I was making this much money before, what do I do about that? You know, right? A career pivot's probably going to have an uh, have an income problem at some point. How, how do you how do you tell people to deal with that? That is probably one of the most popular questions I get. You know, how do I deal with a pay cut, or how do I mentally get over the idea of a massive pay cut? And you know, I've I've thought so much about this. The best way I can explain it is that if your life you know, all the income you had or whatever it was, was in a pie, you know, like the, the, the rewards you get in life, a combination of fulfillment and income. When you take a pay cut by leaving a job or starting a job that pays less, you can imagine the slice just disappearing from there. Maybe a very big slice, maybe not so big, whatever it is, but a slice goes away. But what I argue to people is that what happens when you do that is that if you replace it with fulfillment with something that's aligned with your values, passion, and purpose, the slice that you're replacing it with is actually so much bigger than the one you took away. And what actually ends up happening, your pie gets bigger. Your life actually becomes richer for taking a pay cut. And it seems so weird, right? This is the part that you've got to go through it to like see what happens when you start living a life aligned with your values, passion, and purpose. 
but your pie gets bigger, life gets better. Like, and, and you start to forget that that money is missing because it's now replaced by whatever it is you're doing that's more aligned. For me, initially, teaching math. I was working with these students. I, I cannot tell you like, you know, how fulfilling that was. And it was so much more fulfilling than any amount of money I lost from quitting my job. It, for me, like filled me up. And by the way, of course, you can imagine along the journey because I owed so much money. And I, if I wasn't making a lot tutoring math or teaching math or whatever it was, I mean, I had debt collectors calling. I had student loan debt collectors calling. And those guys are like, man, they are aggressive. They're, they are determined people. And they are calling and calling and calling. And you know, dealing with that is really tough. But when you love what you do, you can take that deep breath and you can figure it out. So that part was like figure outable. And I still learned how to have fun. In fact, so that I could travel around the world, I figured, well, maybe if I like became a speaker, if I like really went all in on becoming a speaker, well, I could travel around the world and somebody else pays for that travel and I can enjoy some time while I'm in that city. And for me, I honestly, I'm not of all the trips I've taken in the last like decade of my life. And I'm not even sure how many, but in hundreds, I'm guessing over the last like 10 years, I've probably only paid for like maybe 5% of them because most of them I tie it. Like I'll add, you know, vacation time or whatever it is to an existing work trip or whatever it might be. So, I mean, I think that, you know, the pie gets bigger, it's filled with fulfillment. And I think that's where I'll leave it. Fulfillment could come in a number of forms, right? And, and feeling better and maybe taking less heartburn medicine, connecting with your family more, connecting with your values, passion, and purpose. What, what an incredible message. So who do you think has inspired you to, to really land on this incredible message? Who's been a, a great inspiration for you for reinvention? So when I started writing this book, I figured it out. Like I figured out like who this person was. And I, I mean, I, I think I knew it on some level, but it wasn't until I started writing the book that it hit me. This is the person. It was Leonardo da Vinci. I went, when I was young, I think it was in high school was when I first learned of Leonardo da Vinci and, you know, at a deeper level than just Leonardo da Vinci, some genius from back in the day. When I started learning a little bit more about his life, um, I became really curious and I bought a book on da Vinci and I started reading it and all that. I think it was like 17 or 18. And I just became fascinated with, with his life. And I just saw how many times he just did, he changed what he was doing. I mean, he went through from one career to another, to another, to another, you know, he, he's gosh, a painter, a sculptor, a military engineer, an anatomist, a poet, a cook. I mean, you, it goes, the list goes on and on. I can't even list all the things he's done so many things in his life. And I think that he, for me was an inspiration and in showing me that it was possible that you can do all of these things. And actually that none of them really start from scratch that they can actually build upon one another. And so for me, Da Vinci was really, really important. And he ends up in the book because that's, you know, when I was working on the book, I thought I want to include the greatest example of all time in reinvention. And I thought Da Vinci would be it. And I specifically wrote about, and in, in I can't remember what chapter it is, I think chapter six, I wrote about his reinvention when he was 29 years old, 29 slash 30, turning 30. And he was going through a really difficult time in his life. He was actually depressed, according to his notebooks. And he was just really essentially stuck. You know, he was in a rut. He didn't know how to get out. He was a painter. He obviously was a, an incredible painter. Even at 29, he was still already an incredible painter. But the problem that he had was that since he had so many unfinished works, he didn't have the resume to continue getting the really good gigs in town. And so he started losing out on a lot of these gigs to some of the other artists, you know, of the time. 
And after a while, it started to get really frustrating. He was just like, wow, I'm not getting any jobs. I know I am one of the most amazing artists on the planet and I can't prove it. And I'm really stuck. And so he finally decided it was time to leave Florence where he was living. And he decided to reinvent himself in Milan. And he, in order to do that, he had to take a job as a military engineer, not a painter because they weren't hiring painters. They were hiring military engineers. And so Da Vinci was like, cool. Well, then I guess we're reinventing ourselves into, you know, a military engineer. And he wrote one of the boldest cover letters of all time. And I actually include the translated version of that cover letter in the book just to show people. But for me, Da Vinci is the greatest reinventor of all time. And he did it, you know, so effectively. And there's so much we can learn from dissecting his reinventions. I never knew that he had what I would call some pretty big bumps in the road in his career. That's that's really fascinating to 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 hear about and think what I what I really like about his story and, and actually a parallel I think to yours I'm hearing is and and I just read this great article on this the other day and I think it was in HBR about you know what helps people become great critical thinkers and I'm going to say critical thinkers that you can think in a very complex level and connect a lot of dots which might seem disparate to others and it is having a wide variety of experiences in your life right because if you wake up and drive down the same road and do the same job every day and come home and you know have dinner and go to sleep like your 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 broad your 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 view of the world is going to be pretty limited yeah. and i mean certainly not your story and certainly not leonardo da vinci's that you had all these experiences that allow you to even think bigger bring this new knowledge to you that one maybe the world's kind of more interesting and bigger than i thought and also that maybe i've got some new knowledge in my brain to do something about it and maybe Apply it to something else. So love that story. You're absolutely right. That you know, experiencing as many things as possible is so key. It's actually one of the keys that I shared to reinvention is to test out a lot of things. I mean, I've done so many odd jobs. I've with my you know with my bachelor degrees and all of that. Just before my masters, I mean, I parked cars. I worked at a mall. I served free samples at supermarkets. I mean, I had just come quit my corporate job and I was doing these types of, you know, odd jobs, whatever. I learned from all of them. I met some incredible people along the way. And I feel like it was much like Da Vinci, at, you know, back at Penn State University. I took classes that I just thought were interesting. And advisors would tell me, no, you shouldn't do that because it's really risky. You're going to hurt your GPA and all of this kind of stuff. And I get it. They were, you know, their, their intentions and their heart was in the right place. They were trying to help, you know, a student out from like making some big mistakes. But honestly, that felt right for me. And that was inspired by Da Vinci because I'm like, well, Da Vinci probably would have taken any class he wanted (laughs) if he was sitting at a university. You know, if it was just interesting, he would have taken it. And so I started taking all these classes. And yeah, you're right. Like when you have that diverse diversity of experience, you can really bring a lot to conversations, problem solving, helping people as well, relating with people because you've done so many things. So yeah, really powerful. And yeah, I, I credit Da Vinci for a lot of that inspiration. You know, I, I love that you mentioned these sort of non-traditional classes in school and undergraduate. I took both poetry as an economics and business school student, poetry and ceramics. And I showed up at both of these classes and people were looking at me like, who's this? Why is he here? <laughs> and I was there because I was like fascinated and just wanted to explore sort of the other side of the brain. So I totally, that story resonates with me so I much. love that right there. See, that's exactly it. Ceramics. It's like, and people are like wondering, who's this dude here? But, but you know, that the fact that people wonder that, I think it, spe- it, it, it speaks to like what society kind of guides us towards, which is to find a path and stick to it and just never, you know, deviate from it. 
and you decided, you know, you to explore and you explored and didn't mean you have to become like a ceramics maker for the rest of your life. It just meant that, wow, that was a rich experience. I learned something about myself. I learned something about ceramics on to the next thing. It was fascinating. Really. Those were two of my favorite classes in school. You know, one of the key elements of your book, Rogers, is around values, right? Values. What, what is it about values that makes them so important to reinvention? Yeah, so you know, I think that values, of course, being things that really matter to us, something that we hold in high value, something we we give a lot, we assign a lot to, and I think that if we're going to live our lives in a way that feels fulfilling, we really have to make sure that we're playing by the rules, by the things that matter to us. And so, th- for me, this is why values are really important. They another way of looking at values, I think, along the journey for me is like standards, like a way of doing something. Like, hey, when I do something, I have these values that tell me that when I do something, I got to see it all the way through. I got to be all in on this thing, whatever it is. And so, for instance, speaking is one example that I'll share. When I do a speaking engagement, one of the things I noticed when I had seen other speakers at events is sometimes they pop into an event and then they leave. And while it's cool, they delivered what they've delivered and they were probably just hired to do that. That didn't seem like right for me. Like for me, that was not the standard that I, my values set for me. It was, I got to be all in at this event. I want to hang out leading up to my talk. I want to listen in. I want to be with the audience. I want to talk to some of them. I want to get to know like where their head is at so that I can then tailor my talk to where they are at that moment, even in the conference And for me, I set that standard. And so it's actually what helped me get so many speaking engagements. So in order to do that, I had to design my offer as a speaker in such a way that I could be in alignment with that value that I had. And so the values kind of drove like how I designed what mattered, like the work itself. So when I, people would say like, what are your rates for doing a 45 minute talk? I would say, well, my rates are for a day, like a day. Well, you're only going to speak for an hour or 45 minutes, whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to spend the whole day there. I'm going to like, I'm going to talk to your audience. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to help you guys out. I will get on calls before the event because I want to help make sure that this agenda is really aligned well and that we can be all in sync. Ultimately, I want to help you deliver the greatest event you've ever delivered. That offer, the way I designed that, which was aligned with my values, allowed me to really be able to separate myself as a speaker and book gigs that were normally really hard to get access to. And so I think values just, and that's just one example, but the same goes for how you design your work, how you design your life, how you design your morning routine, how you design your afternoon and evening routine, how you spend time with family members or not spend time, but whatever it is that you do, your values will dis- can, can dictate all this. Now, of course, we can design a life that has nothing to do with our values, but we will be living in that constant struggle. And the last thing I'll say about values is that, you know, they tend to evolve over time as well. You know, like we, we grow into new values and I'm actually learning that right now. I'm going through a massive purpose and values evolution at the moment as I embark on fatherhood. Our baby's not even here yet. And I'm already feeling like my purpose and values changing. And it's incredible. And because I'm so aware of this, I'm thinking, okay, let's get ahead of this. Let's not wait until things are uncomfortable. Let's figure out like how I can begin designing life so that it it is in alignment with what now matters to me. So yeah, values, incredibly important to the book, to reinvention, because it will guide your reinventions if you allow it to. You told, I mean, so key. And I love this thinking you shared around, instead of just approaching conferences and sort of, this is, it makes me think of the blue ocean strategy and just showing up and saying, hey, 
I'll charge you $300 to be a speaker less than the other group that's coming at you, right? You didn't do that at all. You went at them and said, let me charge you significantly more and I'll provide immense value to this thing and taking a really enterprise look at what's important to them, right? Not just having a good speaker there, but producing a great event for their conference. So what a fantastic mindset to think about that. So you shared a story about, you know, the challenges of reinvention and right, you've got all this debt on your hands. And I think you were parking cars at some point and got into a car accident while you were working in the parking, working in a parking garage. What happened there? And I think there was some value challenges, if I recall the story. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So I was parking cars on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. The tough part with Thursdays and Fridays was that I would go right from the office to the restaurant to park cars from like about 6 p.m. until usually like 1-ish p.m. So you can imagine Thursday, I wake up at like five in the morning, whatever time to begin my routine and go to work. Then I go to the next work until one in the morning, get home by two and then sleep for a few hours, Friday back to the office and then boom, back to the restaurant. By Friday night, I'm like pretty exhausted and my mind's just not you know, totally alert. I was drinking Red Bulls, like, you know, at like midnight to make it through that last stretch of, you know, parking cars without hitting anything. Well, like one day I I hit one, I backed into a lamppost and I damaged up like pretty much the back rear bumper, like the edge of it. And, and part of the bottom of the back bumper of a car. And I was like, no, like this did not just happen. And I was just like, so pissed off at myself because here I am, I do this job so that I can help pay off my student loans faster. And now I've just set myself back in a massive way, whatever I estimated, you know, it'll probably cost me a thousand, maybe a couple thousand to fix that. And I'm like, well, there goes like a month worth of, you know, parking cars, like, and tips. Now I'm going to be working just to pay this. It really pissed me off. And, and I was just really scared. I was like, oh, this really sucks. And I considered not saying anything. And one of the things that, you know, the company, the valet company tells you is that if somebody leaves a lot and it says it on the back of the ticket, if somebody leaves a lot and they don't notice the damage or whatever it is to the car, then they can't claim anything because they've already left a lot. So it could have happened somewhere else. And so I, you know, honestly, I considered like, maybe I just won't say anything. It's on the back of the car. The guy's going to sit in the driver's side and drive off and we'll never know. But something just felt incredibly wrong about that. And I've made a decision there. I've resolved that I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him when he comes out and just like a freaking movie, like, or something, a scene out of a movie, of course, his car is the last one remaining in the lot at the end of the night, car after car is leaving. And I'm like, oh my God, when is this going to happen? And finally, you know, the dude walks out and, you know, he, he comes out and he looks like he just had a great time. You know, he had a lot of fun. And then he, you know, approaches a car. I just pulled up. I already had his car pulled up because it was the last one. So I figured let's have it ready. And I just told him, hey, I need to show you something. And I took him to the back and I pointed it out. And I said, I'm really sorry. I accidentally hit it when I was hit that lamppost when I was parking it. I'll, I'll pay to fix it, whatever, you know, whatever it takes. All I ask is that you please not tell the restaurant or please not tell the valet company. I will take care of this and make sure that, you know, I write this wrong. And so, you know, he looked at it and he's just kind of like standing there, like uh, holding his chin and just kind of looking. And I'm like, oh, I'm dying inside. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to flip out? Is he not like, what's the reaction going to be? Is he going to like go inside and tell the owner? I have no idea. And then finally he, he looks up at me and he proceeds to give me the money that he had in his hand that he was going to tip me. And I'm like, no, like, dude, I hate your car. (laughs) I can't take a tip. And he's like, no, I want you to take this. He goes, 
you did something really difficult. You told the truth when you easily could have lied and gotten away with it. And I think that's incredibly important and awesome that you did that. And I never want you to forget this moment. So that's why I'm tipping you because I know that will kind of mark this moment in your memory and you will not forget what happened here. I was like, I, dude, I will pay for this. Like, I hate your car. Let me fix it, please. Because in my mind, I'd already resolved to do this. And he was like, no, don't worry about it. Besides, my wife has been trying to convince me to get a new car. You probably just did her a favor. So it's cool. Don't worry about it. I, I was just like, I, I, I'm feeling now like what I felt there. Like, it's just like, you're scared and you get this relief and you're like, what is happening here? You're also confused. And then before he left, he asked me to call my buddy over, the other guy working with me. And I, I called him over and he said, hey guys, so I own a restaurant in town, a steakhouse. You know, I think it's pretty nice. And once he told us the name, we were like, oh my God, it's really nice. And then he goes, I'd love to have you both over for dinner on, on hopefully a, a, a weekend day you're not working. <laughs> and we we're like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I would love to have you over. Dinner's on me. Don't worry if you don't have to coordinate for me to be there. Like, I'll, I'll make sure that my, my team knows, my staff knows. We ended up having dinner on the guy at his restaurant as well, in addition to hitting hard. But I learned something so powerful about really making sure that you stick to your values. Because at the end of the day, like, I still remember this moment. And I have a feeling that had I not done that, had I let him go, I'd also still remember that moment, except the memory would be one of disappointment with myself and what I had done. But now instead, I have this incredible, beautiful story of like just an incredible interaction with an amazing person who was obviously incredibly forgiving and went out of his way to really help make sure that I learned a valuable lesson about values and making sure that you stick with them. I mean, here you were, all this debt, working extra jobs to make ends meet, right? And now you have another 2,000 bill about to get dropped in your lap. You could have lied about it or just not told about it. And and you didn't. And holy cow, what an incredible outcome. So I want to ask one more question specifically related to the book and reinvention, Roger. And that is, if I want to start reinventing myself today, I, I, I'm feeling what you're saying. I'm feeling kind of this bit of this stuck thing. Where do I start? What do I do? So I'm going to keep this one short because I want people to like listen to this and go do this. There are four ingredients that really help you lay down a really strong foundation for constant and never-ending reinvention, but it also starts with your first reinvention. So the first thing I'll tell you to do is one, meet new people. Make sure that you have a regular opportunity to meet brand new people, new people with new voices, new ideas, new perspectives, all of those kinds of things that you're interacting with. That is a key ingredient to constant never-ending reinvention or your first reinvention because it's through those new ideas that you're going to get new possibilities. Along the way, I learned about a lot of new possibilities by meeting new people who did things that I had never known could be done for a living, in a business, with their families, all of these things. And that's part of the reason why I'm writing this book, because I want you to meet me, a new person in your life, and by reading the books, through the, through the words in the book, so that you can get some of the ideas of what's possible. Second, test new passions. It's really important that you test new interests. They won't start off as passions, but they might become passions, but they'll probably start off as just interests, whatever it might be. However simple or trivial it might seem, just go test something out. Take a class in something. Maybe you've just been barely curious about dancing. Just go take a dancing class. I promise you it won't hurt you. Take a ceramics class like John did. You know, like it, whatever it might be, just test those things out because you never know what you're going to learn from them. And I can promise you that if you really open yourself up in those opportunities, you immerse yourself, like to use, you know, John's word, you will be able to, you will be able to draw something from that experience. 
but you never know. You might find math. You know, you might find that thing that I felt like I, for me, it was math. Who knew? I was just tutoring so that I could make some extra money so that I can pay off my student loans. In the process, I found one of the loves of my life, which was teaching math. And I got, I had a beautiful eight-year relationship with math. So test those new passions out. Three, develop and explore new perspectives. It's so important to stand in different places and see your situation and other people's situations from a different place. So for instance, I parked cars, I worked serving samples at supermarkets, I folded shirts, I worked with a musician. I've done so many different, really, really very different things which have allowed me to enjoy different perspectives and see the world from different vantage points. And in the process, when you see things differently, you open new pathways to new possibilities. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, that's really interesting. I couldn't see that from my world where I'm sitting every single day doing the same job that I'm doing. But that opportunity, that thing I do as a volunteer, part-time, or just for fun or whatever it is, that puts me in a different place. I remember my first job at Ingersoll Rand. I took the opportunity to work on the assembly line because I wanted to learn what it was like from their perspective. And it ended up making a massive difference in helping me do my job in national account sales because I saw how our machines were being built the order that the parts go in, all of this kind of stuff, and it helped me make better decisions. And finally, ask yourself new questions or invite others like mentors and coaches. Actually, I should say and because both are great. So ask yourself new questions and invite mentors and coaches to ask you new questions. New questions drive new thinking. Ask a better question, get a better answer. And when you start doing that, when, when people start asking you those different questions, you start to think differently. New pathways are opened to new possibilities. I love this theme of curiosity, right? And finding curiosity, not just not just like curiosity can seem very generic and sort of simple. You've really laid it out in between this people, passion, perspectives, and then getting these questions asked of you. What a, a brilliant uh, a brilliant way to frame it out and a roadmap anyone can execute on. And I appreciate this mission you're on, right? You want to invite people into this journey of change and make reinvention accessible is what I'm hearing and saying, hey, it's okay. You can give it a try. And this roadmap you're offering here about testing new passions in particular is a way for people to dip their toe, right? So you're not totally quitting your job. Maybe try this out on the weekends or what have you. What a powerful message. Roger, what do you find most fulfilling in your career and business right now? Gosh, I would say it's really helping someone come to terms with who they really are and figuring out what they really want so that they can then begin building that life that's in alignment. I've realized like when I help people do that, it's just... I mean, that wins everything. Like whatever I got paid doesn't even matter anymore. Just getting to see somebody get closer to what that is, to that, into that alignment is beautiful. And I'm thinking of a particular client of mine right now who actually this month, uh, or no, this past June took a massive step that was already planned earlier in the year, luckily, to get his life into alignment. And it was all a matter of just resolving to do it. He he almost realized, like he almost thought like, this was almost too easy, he, he thought for a moment, even though it wasn't. But, you know, he goes, but how, but it was always available to me is what he realized. And when you see that happen, and now I know that it happened this uh, few weeks ago, and, and I won't go into all the details of it, but it was just, I was so excited. I sent him a text, like, I think uh, about a week ago, and he was on holiday. So yeah, he didn't have cell phone service, but I, he'll get it when he gets back. And I was like, hey, man, I just want to say congratulations. As of this month, your life is in alignment with what matters to you. This is what, for me, is the most fulfilling. Wow. Getting aligned, finding your values, right? Not turning into somebody else, but finding that 
inner alignment and growing the pie. What a brilliant message your book has and a roadmap to bring to the world. The book has opened a few doors for you, Roger, has it not? What's What's been your favorite so far? And it's not even published yet. Yeah. You know what? Gosh, I I would say, you know, I've been able to deliver a lot of book talks because I wanted to test out material, see what works, what resonates, what doesn't. And so I've been able to get into a few venues, but the one that I'm really excited about right now is the opportunity to uh, speak at Google. So that's still in, in, in the works, but it would be a, one of the Google talks, you know, that outsiders deliver inside and end up on YouTube and all of this. And it would be, you know, so I'd be delivering a book talk at Google and it was just cool that this there was alignment there. But there was a bonus one that I'll say that is actually coming sooner than that. And because of reinvention, and it was a speaking opportunity in Aruba. They are hosting an innovation summit later this summer, and they want me to be the keynote talking about reinvention. They had been following my stuff and seeing how much I talk about reinvention. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. I've never been to Aruba. I'm going to turn that into a vacation because, right, you know, you got to live life in alignment with your values. And for me, if you travel somewhere and somebody, you know, blesses you with the opportunity to travel somewhere, you make the most of that. So I will be spending a few extra days there, laying on a few beaches, checking out a few restaurants. Get, get It's a little windy down there. I'm just going to warn you, get ready for that, buddy. What a, what a great opportunity. And any unexpected positives that have come out of this journey for you, aside from the Google and Aruba circumstance? You know, I would say like just I've learned so much more about reinvention than I thought was possible just by writing this book. You know, so this journey of becoming an author, I didn't I thought it was more about how do I get what's already in my head out onto paper? And in the end, that was nothing. That was the easy part. You know, like I said earlier, I recorded 80,000 words a year before I got onto the book writing journey thinking that that was going to get me somewhere. No, what really happened that I did not expect was how much more I was going to learn about reinvention. And I feel like my education just took off like exponentially when it comes to reinvention, thanks to writing this book. I love, I hear, I hear, I hear the story so often and I love it, which is people come in thinking they're going to sort of create this output exercise. And in fact, they walk out of here in the book journey from, I have this idea about writing a book and, you know, 10, 12, 15 months later when the book is done, they've actually had this extraordinary experience of learning, which I love that. What is your most audacious goal for 2022, my friend? 2022, related to the book, 10,000 copies sold. 10,000 copies sold. Sounds like you're well on your way. For anyone thinking about writing a book out there, Roger, what might you tell them? Join the Creator Institute, get into the manuscript writing course and work with the amazing people in this company and the new and new degree press, because honestly, like it is so much more fun and rewarding, first of all, to do it with others. But second, you basically learn how to write a book for the first time as if it was your second. And we all know when we do something a second time, we're always like, oh, wait, I already made that mistake. Not going to do that again. And when you write with this organization, you learn how to write that first book as if it was your second. And I've talked to authors who've done it alone on their own. And the moment I tell them about this program, they're like, I need to do that. And I tell them, yes, go do it for your fourth book or your your third or fourth book or whatever it is, because it will be way more fun. So yeah, this is what I would tell everybody, just sign up and do it. And the other, I, I, one more thing, I always love adding one more thing, but the last thing I would add is that whatever you thought writing a book was, chances are it's not. It's not any of that. And that for me was the big revelation. I realized that we don't write books. I used to imagine like, oh my gosh, you've got to be like this person who's got 80,000 words sitting around in their heads and they come out 
like just fluidly onto pages and land into chapters so perfectly chapters that you write in order and everything is so great and easy and all of that. No, absolutely not. You don't write a book. You build a book. You build a book through stories, ideas, um, research. You put all of that together and you assemble chapters and then you assemble sections and then you assemble a book. That's it. So it's doable. You've got more than one book inside of you. I promise. Just get on the journey. Well put, my friend. And I love that you've personified through your own author journey what your book is about this. You know, continue to learn, continue to be curious and reinventing yourself along the way and finding out more about yourself and what it is that is you have such great passion around, which is helping others reinvent themselves. The Journey to Reinvention will be available this fall, 2022, around September, wherever you buy books online. Roger, if people want to learn about more about you and your, your book and your company, where, where might they go? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Roger Osorio, or linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Roger Osorio, Instagram, Twitter, at Roger Osorio, just the name full out like that. And also go to www.rogerosorio.com forward slash reinvention if you want to download a sample of the book and you'll get on a list so that you can get updated when more book details emerge. That's awesome. And was there an offer you want to make to our listeners today? Yeah. So for anyone listening, you know, I invite you to download that chapter, uh, download those sample chapters. And if you do for whoever signs up during the launch of this podcast, when it gets published, then I'm going to send you a separate note to invite you for a personal or small group Q&A on reinvention. So we can talk all things reinvention and I can answer all of your reinvention related questions. If they go to your website, download those couple of the chapters, you'll invite them to your book talk. I love it. What a great offer. Roger, great to see you. Thank you so much for being on the creator community and sharing your story here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for the opportunity, John. I appreciate it. Appreciate you sharing your stories. You know, I love the ceramic one. Like we align there. So I get you. I get you. Somewhere in this room is one of those clay pieces. I promise you that has to, it hides most of the time, but it's, it's in here. Very uh, cool. Don't forget to sub subscribe to the Creator Community channel wherever you consume podcasts, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever it might be. If you enjoyed this episode, please go on there and leave us a review. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep creating. <laughs>